recent changes to the EPO's guidelines for examination. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cartmails in Conversation. I'm your host, Daniel Wise, and in today's discussion, I'm joined by Sam Parry, a technical assistant in our life sciences biotechnology team. In this episode, we will be focusing on the recent changes to the EPO's guidelines for examination, which entered into force in March 2023. Sam, perhaps you could provide a quick overview of exactly what are the guidelines for examination. Sure. So the guidelines for examination help EPO examiners and applicants and their professional representatives to interpret how the rules and articles of the EPC should be carried out in practice during the examination of European patent applications. And it's expected that applicants and their representatives are familiar with the guidelines, so it's important to keep up to date with the annual updates, which take into account both changes in EPO practice during examination and developments in the case law. And as you said earlier, the latest version came into force in March 2023. So what's changed this year? So actually, there haven't been that many substantive changes this year, which is quite welcome news because we've had a few years of quite dramatic changes to the guidelines, particularly with regard to the guidelines for amending the descriptions of European patent applications. Most of the changes that have been made this year relate to the introduction of the new Rule 56A, which allows for the filing of corrected application documents, the new WIPO Standard 26 for sequence listing, and the push towards digitization of the patent grant procedure. And perhaps the most important change for day-to-day practice is the demise of the EPO's 10-day rule. The 10-day rule! That's one of my favourite rules. What's the story there? So the 10-day rule was set out in rules 1262 and 1272, and it essentially said that documents, whether they were sent postally or digitally, were deemed to have been delivered 10 days after the date that was written on the document itself and therefore deadlines that were set by documents would run from the date on which the document was deemed delivered, i.e. 10 days after it was actually sent, which would essentially add 10 days to the deadline for responding to any communication from the EPO. However, these days, almost all EPO communications are sent digitally, and therefore arrive almost instantaneously, and there is no 10-day delivery period. So in light of this, the EPO is retiring the 10-day rule, on the 1st of November 2023, and documents will now be deemed to have been delivered on the date given on the document, which is actually already the case for prosecution under the Patent Cooperation Treaty and in many other jurisdictions around the world. So this is bad news, I guess, for applicants as they're going to have a 10-day shorter period for responding to EPO communications, but I'm sure that candidates for the qualifying examinations will be pleased because they can no longer be caught out by this particular quirk of European patent practice. Yeah, I guess that's right. That, that is a shame, though. I've always enjoyed the comfort of that little bit of extra time to do things at the EPO. What about the other changes this year? You mentioned something about Rule 56A and the correction of applications. Yep, exactly. So Rule 56A now allows you to correct erroneously filed parts of patent applications, and it mirrors the existing Rule 56 which allowed for the correction of missing parts of the applications. So this is one of those rules dealing with a situation that you never want to find yourself in, yeah? Where you've filed something wrong at the patent office. What does this new rule let you do? Yeah, exactly. You really don't want to be having to make use of this rule, but if you ever do find yourself in the situation where you have filed something incorrect, this rule will allow you to file the corrected document within two months of the filing date or within two months of the notice from the EPO telling you that they think you filed something wrong. 
but you don't want to rely on receiving that communication from the EPO because they might not send it and your two-month deadline might expire. And you are able under these rules to maintain the original date of filing if your documents were present in the priority application. But if they weren't present, your application will be redated to the date on which the correct documents were filed. So the procedure for filing erroneously filed documents was already allowed during the international phase under Rule 20.5 BIS PCT. But this actually led to an inconsistency between the international phase and the European regional phase. This was because an application could have erroneously filed documents corrected into the international phase without being redated due to their presence in a priority document. But there's no equivalent provision in the EPC, so the EPO would consider the filing date to be the date on which the correct documents were filed. And that process will still apply to PCT applications filed before the 1st of November 2022, which is when Rule 56A came into force. However, now that Rule 56A corrects this inconsistency between the PCT and the EPC, you're now able to correct documents either under the PCT in the international phase or in the European regional phase. An important takeaway from the updates to the guidelines relating to the new Rule 56A is that it may allow for the refiling of drawings where the quality of the drawings was not sufficient to make out their content. And this was not previously allowed under Rule 56, as low-quality drawings weren't actually considered to be missing parts of the application. So I can see how that would potentially be more useful, perhaps where you haven't had time to prepare your formal drawings yet. Interesting. And you said there are also updates to the guidelines to do with digitization. Yeah, exactly. So this digitization concept is the moving away from sort of paper filing systems, posting communications, faxes, and also a move away from in-person proceedings before the EPO. Sounds very modern. So we're not allowed to send faxes anymore. What about telexes? Uh, I think they've gone out of fashion somewhat. But yes, so particular points to note is that oral proceedings, which previously by default happened in person before the EPO, will now take place by video conference and in fact will only be held on the premises of the EPO in exceptional circumstances. There have also been updates to the physical requirements of documents. Now this was previously set out in the rules but will now be set by the decision of the President. This will allow for more rapid responses if there are future changes in the online filing systems. However, it's worth noting that the first decision of the President which sets out the physical requirements just rolls over the existing requirements. So there's no actual day-to-day change here. One unfortunate consequence of this, however, is that the guidelines for text matter on drawings has been made more strict, and you're now only allowed the barest minimum of text, which is indispensable for understanding the drawing, which is certainly a tightening of the previous rules. And finally, the EPO has been making changes to allow for the citation of a wider variety of prior art documents, particularly multimedia or internet citations, which previously would have been difficult as the EPO was required to send copies of any documents it was citing to the applicant. So it sounds like the steady march of progress continues at the EPO. You mentioned something at the beginning about description amendments as well. Is that something that's changed in the guidelines? In the 2021 and 2022 updates to the guidelines, a lot of changes had actually been made to the guidelines for amending descriptions. And in particular, they were becoming more strict. So during the prosecution of a European patent application, it's likely that you'll have to make some amendments to the claims which will narrow or change the scope of protection provided. And this will often lead to a situation where there's an inconsistency between the description and the claims, where the description implies that the invention is broader than the claims that have actually been allowed. 
So the EPA will require that the applicant amends the description before it grants the application. Now, under previous practice, it was okay to mark embodiments of the invention which no longer fell within the scope of the claims as aspects of the disclosure, which was a kind of hand-wavy way of removing these inconsistencies. However, as I mentioned previously, in 2021 and 2022, they tightened up the guidelines on inconsistencies and required that any such embodiments no longer falling within the scope of the claims had to be clearly marked as no longer forming part of the invention with sort of explicit statements or had to be deleted from the description altogether. And similarly, examples in the description which contained subject matter which no longer fell within the scope of the claims had to be deleted or marked as comparative examples. And this was quite a dramatic change to previous practice and created a lot of uncertainty as to how descriptions should be amended and a lot more work really for applicants and their representatives as some descriptions can be hundreds of pages long. However, it does seem that some examiners of the EPO are not really enforcing this strict approach yet. But it's definitely pleasing to see that guidelines are settling down and they seem to be sticking to the procedure that they've now got and not making any more substantive changes which people need to be aware of. And hopefully that's going to reduce the uncertainty regarding the practice for amending descriptions in the future. This is one of those areas that generates a lot of discussion, isn't it, and controversy on the blog. So I think sometimes people tend to look at it in a bit too black and white a way, though, saying that either you need to amend the description or you don't need to amend the description. But really, in practice, there's a spectrum of situations, aren't there? And depending on the way the application was originally drafted, depending on the sorts of amendments you've made, you may need more or fewer amendments. And it perhaps isn't really that black and white. I think sometimes people want this sort of one-size-fits-all approach to description amendments. It's just there's too much diversity in technology and writing styles for that really to be the case. But we'll see. I'm sure the EPO is aware of the controversy in this area. Well, I think that's all we had, wasn't it, Sam? Not the most interesting set of updates at the guidelines, but I hope we did manage to tease out a few practice points for people there. Thanks for taking us through those, Sam. Uh, It's obviously really key to be up to date with the guidelines because they're cited all the time, so we need to know what's going on there. Thank you for joining us. (music) 